Hope you have your Bibles this morning. We're looking in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. We hope that if you're not praying for Brother Craig Giesman, you will continue to pray for him or start praying for him. Craig is on his fourth treatment for his cancer, and he needs our prayers. So I hope you'll remember him in your prayers. We're in Acts chapter 5, and I'd like for you to stand, if you would, with me as we read verses 12 through 16. Now, this would be your last time to be able to move now for the next hour and a half, so I want to make sure you... <laughs> Let me read it to you this morning. We're going to look at Acts chapter 5, down at verse number 12. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. By the way, if you look at an Old Testament rendering of the temple, Solomon's temple, it was a huge uh, complex, had a huge porch, or uh, it had uh, like a colonnade. And this place was incredible. When you walked in one side of the, uh, it would have been the east side of the temple, that was where that is, and that's where the church was meeting. That's where they're having services. They're using the old temple on the porch. Isn't that interesting? Scripture goes on. It says, By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders on one accord in Solomon's porch, and the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. The word magnified is the idea of highly esteeming them. Scripture goes on. Believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women, insomuch they brought forth the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. And there came also a multitude out of the cities round about into Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one of them. Be seated if you would. I'm going to talk this morning for a few moments about this subject. What kind of shadow do we cast? What kind of shadow do we cast? I recently saw in an email a quiz that began by asking, name the five wealthiest people in the world. I thought about it, and I couldn't name one of them. The next question was, name the last five Heisman Trophy winners. And I couldn't name last year's. And then the next one was, name the five winners of the Miss America pageant. And I thought to myself, do they still do that? And then the next one was, name 10 people that have won a Nobel or a Pulitzer Prize. And then the last one was, name the last half dozen Academy Award winners for the best actor and actresses. Now, the next one I did get right for at least the last two years, and that is, name the person that won the World Series. It wasn't the Dodgers. <laughs> we lost it. We didn't win it. You know, the second part of the quiz was pretty understandable because it said this, name the few teachers who aided your journey through school. 
I named my third grade teacher, Mr. Peck, my sixth grade teacher, Mr. Lowe, and then all those high school teachers that were tired of me and emancipated me. <laughs> and then it said, name three friends that have helped you through a difficult time. That was easy. Name five people that taught you something worthwhile. That list was endless. Think of a few people that made you feel appreciated and special. Immediately, people came to mind. And then think of five people you enjoy spending time with. And I thought to myself, just five? I have far more than that. And then name half a dozen heroes whose stories inspire you. As I thought about the quiz, I'm sure that the second part of the quiz is a lot easier than the first part. Because that second part that the quiz is talking about are people that made a difference in your life. And you know the amazing thing about that is you don't have to have an award. You don't have to go to some ceremony to be on that list. You can be just kind of a normal, average, run-of-the-mill person and yet have a great impact on others. I was reminded of the words of that anonymous writer that said, we all take different paths in life, but no matter where we go, we take a little of each other everywhere. And I thought, how true that is. This morning, we're going to talk about, in this passage, about some people that were doing some incredible miracles. Look at verse 12 in your Bible again. Scripture says, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Now, to give you some theology, right, to get started, signs is a word that, um, it means a miracle, but it's like a miracle with a neon sign, a neon uh, lit up sign that says, hey, this is special, don't miss this. In the Scripture, John, the Gospel of John has eight signs. And those eight signs, the gospel writer John says, I'm going to tell you these eight signs because if you read these eight signs and you think about Jesus Christ, you have to come to the conclusion that he's God. And so he says, I, I could have wrote many more signs, but I only chose these eight because this is exactly what I'm trying to prove. Jesus is God. So signs in the Bible are miracles with, with a big exclamation mark, with a big neon sign that says, hey, don't miss this. But then the Bible talks about wonders. Wonder speaks of amazing miracles. Scripture says that people of all kinds of sicknesses and needs were brought in and they're being healed by the power of God and God displays his power with an amazing demonstration through the shadow of a guy named Simon Peter. You know, I was reading a story this week about a fellow that was in a wheelchair and he entered into a restaurant one afternoon and he asked the waitress for a cup of coffee. As he sat at the table, he looked across the restaurant and, and he, he got the waitress over there. He said, is, is, is that Jesus sitting over there in the corner? And the waitress said, man, that's him. He said, hey, get Jesus a cup of coffee. Put it on my tab. Tell him I said hi. Another guy walks into the, into the restaurant and this guy comes in and this guy, it's obvious he has a, a problem with his back. He has like a hunchback. So he's kind of bent over and as he makes his way to the booth, he sits down very painfully. And as he looks across, he sees 
what looks like Jesus Christ. So he, he calls the waitress over. He says, hey, ma'am, is that Jesus sitting back there in the corner? He said, that's Jesus. Well, you know, down south. He said, get him some sweet tea. Put it on my tab. Tell him that I, I say hi. Well, there's one more guy that comes in. He's a redneck. He's a Tennessee redneck. And he sits down. He says, I need a Coke. Now, I all know that Coke can be anything, but in the South, everything's a Coke, right? Come on, if you don't know that, what kind of Coke would you like? He says, give me a Coke. And the guy brings him a Coke and he sits down and he looks over there and he says, is that Jesus over there? He said, yeah, that's Jesus Christ sitting in the corner. Well, give him a Coke and put it on my tab. Tell him I said hi. Jesus gets up. He's drank his tea. He's drank his Coke. He's drank his cup of coffee. He starts out and he walks by the guy that walks in and had bought him the, the coffee. And he, he notices this guy and he says, hey, bottom line is, you have any problems in your life? He says, boy, I sure do. He says, I got kind of a gimp leg. And Jesus touches his leg and the guy's healed. He walks out with no limp. Jesus walks up to the next table, and here you got this guy who's got kind of the hunchback, and Jesus lays hands on his back, and Jesus gives the power of God to him, and all of a sudden his back straightens up, he stands up, and he says, man, I'm healed. And then he walks over to the guy that's the redneck, and he gets ready to lay hands on this redneck, and the redneck says, now just a second, Jesus, he said, I'm on state disability, and I don't want you touching me. <laughs> Now, if you don't get that, I really don't know what to do for you. Some of you struggle with my jokes. I hope you got that one. We're talking today about a time in the Bible where there were signs and miracles. And this is a highly unusual miracle in the Bible because it happens by a shadow. You know, when I was a kid growing up, we used to listen, the shadow knows. Do you remember that? Some of you are too old for that, too young for that. I don't know. The shadow knows. But Jesus, or the Bible says that Peter walks by and the shadow gets on these people. And they're healed. G. Campbell Morgan, in his writing about this passage, says that's a very Eastern thing. He said there were people in the day of Jesus that would try to get in the shadow of a great man because they felt like if his shadow touched them, some of the greatness would be transmitted to that person. And so they'd bring their little children. How many remember the story in the Bible when Jesus, uh, the disciples basically tell Jesus, or the little kids, stay away from Jesus. And Jesus says, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. You remember the story? And the Bible says that Jesus took those children up into his arms, and he touched them. By the way, that was big. You say, Pastor, what do you think those kids were doing running around Jesus? Maybe they were trying to get in his shadow. Isn't that interesting? So scripture says that while they're having church up there at Solomon's temple on the porch, people start lining up just hoping that the apostle Peter would walk by and that his shadow would be upon them. Isn't that interesting? 
You know what I'm really going to talk about this morning for a few moments is the impact that we have on others. Abraham Lincoln said that all he ever hoped to be, he said, or whatever I might be in my life is because of my angel mother. One thing I'm sure of, absolutely sure of, parents cast shadows on children. If you don't believe that, you're brain dead. I don't know how to say that any other better way. Parents influence their children. Is that correct? Yes or no? Yeah. School teachers influence their kids. I was watching yesterday. I was out on a visit and went by and saw one of the young couples and this dear little mama was holding that little new, new baby, three months old. And here she was feeding that baby. And I watched her every once in a while. She'd reach over and she'd kiss that little baby on the side of the head. And every once in a while she, she'd look and she'd touch that baby and that baby would just smile at her. And I thought, wow, look at that. Mama's having an influence on that baby at three months. Parents influence children. Teachers influence students. Sunday school teachers influence their pupils. You listening to me? Pastors influence congregations. Deacons influence congregations. We cast shadows everywhere we go. Now, when I started thinking about that, I was just, I was just really kind of moved by that thought. Obviously, there's a reason why I've been moved by a thought like that this week. But you know, the bottom line is this. We all have an influence. We all have an impact. And how is it that we use that impact? How do we have a, an, a shadow that actually impacts others for Christ? Well, first of all, let's notice the story. I want to talk to you today about Peter and about this early church. Notice, first of all, that there was a distinct life that was being lived in this congregation. The Bible says in verse number 13, and the rest durst no man join himself to the church, to them, and the people magnified them. You know, there's probably no better statement in the book of Acts that, that better proclaims the distinctiveness of the early church. You know, when you begin to read this, uh, the early church was a pure church. The early part of this chapter, when you read chapter number 5, verses 1 to 11, it talks about a story in the early church of a man named Ananias and Sapphira. By the way, Sapphira's the lady. Her name means beautiful. And, and Ananias' name means loved of God. So you got these two church members in this early church and the previous chapter is a story about a guy named Barnabas, the son of encouragement, who having lands, the Bible says, sells them, takes the money, and lays them at the apostles' feet. And it out broke a spontaneous giving of generosity in the early church. People started selling their lands. People started selling their stuff. And they were bringing the money down, giving it to the early church apostles. And the apostles gave it to the deacons. You're going to see that in the next chapter. And the deacons started administrating that, that widow's fund that takes care of old ladies and destitute people in the church. And so there's people in the church watching this going on. And one couple's name is Ananias and Sapphira. And so they get together and they have a powwow and they talk about, well, what do you think we ought to give? If you've ever been in a Baptist church very long, sooner or later, you're going to have a special offering. 
Come on, you can amen that. We've had building funds at this church and we've had times when we raised money for certain things and Bev and I would get together and we would discuss, what do you think we ought to give? And she'd say, well, I'm gonna pray about it and you pray about it. Normally we get back together and we say, okay, what'd the Lord tell you? And you're kind of hoping the Lord told her lower than what he told you. <laughs> There's been a few times, Bev, throw a figure out there and I said, let me hear it in this ear over here. Say it again. <laughs> How much did he say? Wow. Lord's really speaking to you. Yeah. And you get together and you discuss what you're going to give. And that's what they did. And so they sold some property. And when they sold the property, the Bible says that they looked at the amount of money and, and evidently they thought and had second thoughts about it and they said, man, that's a lot of money. Good. Not, I don't know if we want to give that much or not. And so basically what they decided to do was they decided to be hypocritical. Now, I know it's a Baptist church. Yes. I really don't, but I'm going to say it is. And, 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 and Baptist churches have had a few hypocrites in them. This side over here, amen, this side over here went to sleep. <laughs> and the Bible says that they agreed upon an amount and they kept back part of the gift. Now, if you pick up the story, let's see what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse number uh, two, they kept back part of the price. The woman being privy to it brought a certain amount, and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thy power? Hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart that thou hast lied not unto men, but unto God? And Ananias, hearing those words, fell down and gave up the ghost. Holy mackerel, can you imagine that? Right there in front of the church. I mean, all of a sudden he gives his offering and, and Peter confronts him and this dude dead as a hammer. Whoa. By the way, aren't you glad that that doesn't happen at the church very often? Come on, you can smile at that at least. Aren't you glad it doesn't? Yeah. If you read this story, I have biblical proof now. About an hour, hour and a half goes by, in comes Sapphira. I'm, I have biblical proof in the Bible that it takes a woman longer to get ready to go to church than a man. Read the story. She comes in and, and Peter looks her in the eye and he says, hey, Sapphira, beautiful. He says, you're going to give X amount of dollars? She said, yeah, that's what we sold the property for. And boom, she dies. Now, how many are glad that God doesn't do that very often? Come on. Yeah. Always cracks me up. You, you drive by church signs. Do you ever read church signs? I mean, maybe it's a preacher thing. I read them. I always like to have my wife with me because she can point out the spelling errors. <laughs> and she does. <laughs> I, I drove by one the other day and it really cracked me up and said, we are independent, fundamental, premillennial, King James only. I thought, good night. They got everything on that sign. How'd you like to run a sign in the early church? People die here. 
Come to our church. You may croak. <laughs> yes or no? You say, Pastor, what's going on? Hey, listen to me. God dealt severely with their sin. You say, why would God kill somebody for lying about what they gave in the offering? Let me give you some reasons. Maybe, maybe this will help you real quick. First of all, the sin of Ananias and Sapphira was energized by Satan. Did you catch what Peter said? Why has Satan filled your heart? By the way, let me, let me throw a few things out here. I think they were believers. Did you know it's possible as a Christian for Satan to come along and put thoughts in your mind? Put things in your heart. Peter basically says that act that you did of being a hypocrite, of acting like something wasn't so, was energized by none other than Satan. Wow. But notice, notice not only it was an act energized by Satan, but notice something, it was motivated by pride. You know, it looks really good in front of the brother when you say, look at how much I gave. How much did you give? Well, I gave. By the way, can I help you say, what's the sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven? Pride. I, 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 five times, I, I, pride. Pride is the handle that fits every sin. Yeah. You got to look out. It was energized by Satan. It was motivated by pride. But let me give you a third one real quick. Their sin was directed against God's church. By the way, if you go to Acts chapter 20, the Bible says the church was bought by the blood of Christ. Scripture says watch out for the church because there are grievous wolves out there that would like to slip in. Uh, let me tell you something, folks. We can withstand persecution of the world, but one thing we can't stand is sin in the church. We've experienced a difficult time in our congregation for about the last year and a half because we've had a little bit of problems with that. Come on, you can smile, you can owe me, you can do whatever you want to do. That's the truth. Satan will fight you without, but listen to me, you're in trouble when he gets within. And so God says it's important to keep the church pure. And so I'm, Barney Five, I'm going to nip it in the bud. Man, God deals, deals severely. And Ananias and Sapphira, both of them are dead right there at the feet of Peter. And notice what the result was. Did you catch out verse number 13 or verse number 12? The hands of the apostles were many signs. Verse 13, the rest durst not no man join himself to them. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about people wanting to be a part of the early church and it says nobody wanted to be a part of it because they were scared to death. Man, you don't want to go down to that first church. God's looking after them. You don't want to join that church because you mess around in that church and God may kill you. Hello. That'd get your attention, wouldn't it? Boy, at our church, we work hard and hard and hard trying to get members in and try to keep the ones we got. But the first church said, no, we ain't joining that church. There's some strange stuff going on down there. 
you may be dead. <laughs> Let me help you with something. You say, Pastor, how is it that you can do miracles and be a great influence? Listen to me. Listen to me. It's when you live a pure life. When a girl takes a stand for Christ and keeps her virginity. When a girl goes to high school and she carries her Bible with her. All the ones are making dirty jokes and all the ones are saying mean things around her. I'll tell you what, folks. When it comes to making an impact on others' lives, it's not the school slut that influences people. It's that godly Christian girl. Are you listening to me? When people come plumb down to the plumb down, who do they look for when, when times get tough? It's not that person that lives like the devil. It's that person that lives like Jesus. Amen. You can amen that all you want. That's the truth. You want to make an impact in somebody's life? Live for Christ. You want to make an impact? You want to be a shadow and have a ministry that reaches out and touches every person? Do your best to be like Christ. Amen. There's a second reason. Quickly. Not only did they have a, a life that was pure before the Lord, a distinct life, they had a devoted life. Let's look at the passage. Drop down, if you would, to verse 17. The Bible says, then the high priest rose up. You say, Pastor, what's going on? People are getting healed. People are coming from all around, and they're standing in Peter's shadow, and there's a commotion, and, and, the, and the religious police, the Sadducees hate miracles. They don't believe in miracles. They're rationalists. And they said, man, we got to do something about these disciples. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to throw them in jail. And so the Bible says in verse number 17, the priests rose up and they that were with them, which were the sect of the Sadducees, they were filled with indignation. They laid their hands on the apostles. They put them in the common prison. You see, the preaching of the apostles landed them in hot water. They were thrown behind bars. But let me help you with something. God's always faithful. You know, one of the great things I've learned about the Lord is this. He said, lo, I am with you, what? Always. Even in prison. Even behind bars. Even when times are tough. Even when things look like it's pretty bleak. God is faithful. Amen. He's always there. He promised. Amen. You know, one of the great things about the Lord, I, I could go place after place. There's at least five scriptures I have in my notes where the, where the Bible says over and over again that our God is a faithful God. Amen. By the way, I can truthfully say that our God's been faithful to this church. 27 years, our needs have been met. 27 years. Doesn't matter when tornadoes come. You listening to me? It doesn't matter how bleak things may look. Hey, bottom line is, God promised he'd be with us, and he has been every step of the way. You see, this is a passage that talks about the faithfulness of God. But notice the faithfulness of God's people. The Bible says that angel comes to him, and the scripture says, if you look in chapter 12, chapter 5 and verse number uh, 20, it says, go stand and speak in the temple. You see, they get released from the prison from an angel, and the angel says, go back to the place where you came from and go preach the gospel again. Now, you know, me and the angel might have had a discussion. It might have gone something like this. Now, Lord, I, I just got in jail because of that. 
Lord, I need to remind you, they threw me in prison because I was preaching. And Lord, it was, it was down there at Solomon's porch at the temple, and you want me to go right back to the very same place I just got arrested? Yep. <laughs> Lord, why don't we get a, a radio spot? Or maybe we'll get a TV ad. Or maybe we'll go on Facebook. Use social media. But Lord, you want me to go back to the very same place I got arrested? And the Lord said, go, stand, and speak. Isn't that interesting? And the Bible says, if you look at this story, that's exactly what they did. Folks, let me tell you something. What has made this church what it is, is going and standing and speaking. You say, what do you think we should do when you're out of here, Pastor? You ought to go, you ought to stand, and you ought to speak. Just keep doing what you've been doing. Don't change your, don't change your, your message. Keep your message the same. Go stand and speak. You want to cast a shadow that impacts people for eternity? Be faithful. Be faithful to God. Don't let your circumstances dictate how you live. Be faithful because God is always faithful. Amen. I was reading a baseball story this week, and naturally, Sarah, it was about the Dodgers, not the Braves. <laughs> it was 1918. There was a guy named Harry Harriman. He was a gifted young ball player. He was a pitcher for the Brooklyn Dodgers. He finally got called up to the bigs. He went up and he pitched his first inning. First pitch, home run. Second pitch, single. Third pitch, double. He took his glove, he put the ball in it, put it down on the rubber on the, on the mound, walked off the field, took a shower and quit. By the way, I've never been influenced much by quitters. I have been influenced a bunch by people that are faithful. Amen. You listening? You say, Pastor, when you leave, what do you expect us to do? I expect you to keep singing in the choir. Amen. What do you expect us to do? Keep teaching your Sunday school classes. Amen. What do you expect us to do? Hey, make sure we still have ushers. Amen. Are you listening? Folks, just because Pastor Phil's not going to be here doesn't mean that God's not going to be here. God is faithful, but listen to it, folks. If you're going to make a shadow upon others, people that impacts them, that influences them, you be faithful. You be faithful. I see a distinct life. I see a devoted life, but listen, Lee. Uh, thirdly, I see a, dis, a dynamic life. The fact that the people were being healed by coming into the contact with Peter's shadow speaks of a dynamic life. It demonstrates a useful and a fruitful life. He's being used of God. He was casting shadows. He was impacting others. And in the same way, let me ask you a question. How's God using you? Notice, he lived this dynamic life as he worked. Look at the way verse 12 reads. It says in verse 12, it says, by the hands of the apostles were many signs 
and wonders wrought among the people as they were with one accord in Solomon's temple. Look down to verse 32 because I won't catch it again. It says in verse 32, it says, and we are his witnesses of these things. You say, Pastor, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to heal anybody. I don't know if my shadow will ever give a lame man his legs back or a blind man his eyes back or a deaf man his ears back. Well, let me tell you something, folks. We can still be witnesses. Amen. You say, what's a witness? Somebody that's seen something or heard something. And what have we seen or heard? We've seen that Jesus Christ loves us, that Jesus Christ died for us, that Jesus was raised from the dead, and everybody that comes to him puts his faith in him, hey, they're saved, they're born again. Amen. That's a witness. They were witnesses. There's not a person in this room that can't be a witness. Come on. Oh, that's what they paid you to do all these years, Pastor. No, no, that's what we're supposed to be doing, all of us. They were witnesses as he worked, as he just walked along. Look at the passage. The Bible says they were witnesses as he worked. But notice as he walked, verse 15, as he passed by, when his shadow would fall upon somebody, the Bible says passing by, these people were getting healed. Now, every day, I want you to listen to me. We cast a shadow. Every day, somebody's impacted. It might be a smile. Maybe it's a handshake. Maybe it's a, a passing word or an act of kindness. But listen to me. We don't know the people we touch. The other day, I took the guys I took them out for, for lunch and we went and got something we don't normally do because it costs too much. We go over here to the wing basket. They got some hot wings over there, baby. Woo! I let them order. I sat over there and I said, you get whatever you want. It's on me. So anyways, they went over there and ordered everything. We got 75 wings for six guys. Don't, don't sit there in judgment of me. <laughs> you only wish you could eat that many wings. We had about 12 wings a piece. It was great. I got the, the triple heat wings. I got the hot ones. I don't mess around. If you're going to have hot wings, they better be hot. So I was eating those hot wings, and when it was all said and done, a black man walks out, and he. He waves at me and he smiles and he said, do I know you? I said, well, I don't know if you do or don't know if you don't. He said, are you a principal? I said, you better hope not. He said, well, I know you. I said, I'm a preacher. He said, you're over there in Madison. I said, well, we used to be. And he began to talk about his daughter being in our school about 20 years ago, we got talking back and forth. And I thought to myself, isn't that amazing? I'm eating in a restaurant. This man is the owner of this restaurant. 
and somehow, some way, he's come under the shadow. By the way, we don't recognize who we impact, Amen. who we influence. In the scriptures, I'll tell you a couple of stories. There was a little maid. She lived down in captivity in a place called Syria. Her master's name was Naaman. And the story is, he got leprosy. And she said, you know what? There's a man of God down back home where I used to live down in Israel. And Elisha's his name. And if you go see Elisha, he could, he could cleanse you from your leprosy. And this Syrian general went all the way down to another country and he was met by the man of God's prophet. And he said, you got to go dunk yourself seven times in the River Jordan. And if you do it, you'll be healed. Remember the story? Yeah. Now do me a favor. What was her name? The Bible never tells you. But what an influence. Jesus is walking out and it's on the north end of the Sea of Galilee and as he walks along, he gets a huge throng of people and people are hungry and it gets late in the day and Jesus basically tells the disciples, he says, fellas, what do you think we ought to do? And they said, send them away. Man, there's way too many. We can't feed all these people. We pooled our money together. We got 200 penny worth. How are we going to feed all these people with, with $14.12? And finally, one of the disciples said, well, you know what? We got a little lad over here has got a lunch. And Jesus said, bring it to me. Jesus took that little lad's lunch, a poor lunch, five biscuits, two small fish. And Jesus began to pray over it, began to break it. Let me ask you a question. Anybody know that boy's name? You never will. But what a shadow. Before it's all said and done, he fed that entire crowd and they had 12 baskets left over. Paul, the great apostle of Jesus Christ, is arrested in the temple and they say that he's brought a Gentile inside the holy area. And Paul says, no, it didn't happen. That was, it, it didn't happen. He's not a, he, he was a Gentile, but it, we didn't bring him in and they arrested him anyways. They threw him in jail and the Jews began to riot. And the Bible says that, that Paul's sister's son, his nephew, sends word and he says, hey, don't let them transfer you. If they transfer you down to Caesarea, they've got assassins. They're waiting for you. They're going to kill you. By the way, tell me that boy's name. You'll never know. But what an influence. He saved Paul's life. An old drunk baseball player, his name was Billy Sunday, walking out in front of the Pacific Garden Rescue Mission. And that night he sat on the curb and somebody came out and gave him a gospel track and he said, wouldn't you like to go inside and listen? And Billy Sunday was drunk and they helped him to his feet and they brought him inside. And that night, Billy Sunday got saved, the greatest evangelist of his day. You tell me, who is that person that gave him that track? Nobody knows. But what an influence. You listening to me? 
two men, both of them Anglicans, both of them going to be missionaries in that new place called America. One was John Wesley, the other was George Whitfield. We're going back, going back to England, and they got on a ship with a bunch of Moravian missionaries. They began to watch these Moravian missionaries, and they had something they didn't have. And they begin to feel a warmness and a tug in their heart. And George Whitfield and, and John Wesley, both of them got saved on that ship on the way back to England. And they said, man, our lives were changed because those men, those Moravian missionaries had something we didn't have. Amen. Whitfield came back to America and led the Great Awakening John Wesley went to England and man started the Methodist church and it swept through field preaching, became the norm and thousands of people were saved through John Wesley and through George Whitfield. Tell me, what were the names of those Moravian missionaries? We'll never know. But let me tell you something, God knows. They came around and they began to cast a shadow and an influence and an impact. And people said, man, I've come under the shadow. And it changed my life. You know, one of the greatest things that will ever happen to any of us is when we finally get to heaven and somebody will walk up and they'll shake our hands and they'll say, do you remember me? No, I really don't. Well, you were preaching the day that I got saved was out in California. And I came forward that day and I got saved. It was over 30 years ago. Thanks for preaching the gospel. Amen. You say, Pastor, how do you know stories like that? Oh, I get Facebook every once in a while. <laughs> you know the impact that we have, we'll never know for all of eternity. Amen. But listen to me. He knows. He knows. Here's the question. What kind of shadow are we going to cast? I wish I could have cast a bigger one. I wish I'd have done more. But I'm grateful that you love me. And I appreciate being your pastor. And there's some of you today, maybe I've influenced you. I hope I have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us.